you know, last year, if you went back and rewound the sermons from here or any other church, you would probably, it would have been what? Vision, right? Clarity. 2020, we're going to have our, we're going to have good eyesight this year. How did that work out for all of us? Yeah? Yeah. Uh, so this year, instead of doing a rewind, we are going to do a fast forward. How about that? So um, obviously, you know, I would really kind of, if you think about Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he, he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So I would think this year, we need to start worrying about keeping the law. Uh, we need to start worrying about that. That's the thing that we really need to uh, kind of focus on, I would say. Uh, and on that regard, uh, thank you, I'm going to go ahead and give some of these announcements now. We do have the... Uh, 52 weeks of pursuit uh, that are available, uh, volumes one and two, you can get a set for those, uh, they are on the table, David will be there at the end of service with a set, is $40, you can get the keys of Bible study uh, to go along with that for 20 more dollars, so uh, it'll be the best $60 you will spend this year, I can promise you that, uh, and so if you haven't started, you can start today. You can go see David, and you can write an IOU, write an IOU, and then after, if you haven't, you know, paid for it, then we send Josh to come get you. So, um, you know, he's he's the collector. So, um, but anyway, so that would be a, a a very good thing to do. It's also at the end of the service. Don't forget offering. Go see Derek. Um, they, Jay is on his way back uh, from Kansas City as we speak. I think he left out. Uh, Ali said a few hours ago, so be praying for him as he's coming back. I know he's had a great time there, but he did get snowed on, uh, and he had a little difficulty there. I think they, they got like three or four inches pretty quickly uh, one day last week, so uh, he's, he's good. He got out of there, but just pray for him as he comes back. Also, you may have gotten an email yesterday about an upcoming class for LFBI, uh, and it's called Pastoral Procedures, and it will be taught by Brother Sam Miles. It's going to start on January 26th, and it will run for 16 weeks, and it will conclude on May 15th. Now, I know everybody's already ready to sign up, right? Uh, but you do have to have completed D1, which is life-on-life discipleship. So you have to have already gotten through that, and then in the process of going through MTT before you can enroll in that. Uh, and you may be thinking to yourself, well, if I don't feel called to be a pastor or feel like that's not my thing, why would I enroll in that? And that's, a, that's a great question. Um, firstly, because it's going to be taught by a pastor. It's not, you're not going to go to seminary, and this is going to be something where you're going to have a local assembly pastor that's going to teach the class, and you're going to see what pastoral ministry is and what it is not. And so it's, I would say it would be a very uh, good thing for all of us to take if we've been through, met those proper requirements. If you know, some of you maybe feel like you've been called to go into the ministry, well, I, w- it is, I would say it's a very positive thing for you to do that. And also, lastly, uh, you can either credit, do it for credit, or you can, do, you can audit it, which means that you're not, you don't have to take the test, but, you, but why would you go through the class if you're not going to actually get the credit for it? So... Um, you know, take the test and get credit for it, and it counts towards your LFB, LFBI, um, you know, stuff on that. So if you're not enrolled in LFBI, you have three steps. You'll go to lfbi.org slash apply, and you can come see me if you need, to, need this, if you didn't get the email. Fill out the new student application. 
And then pastoral approval is required. So Jay is going to look over all of those things. And before, so if you haven't been through the classes, obviously, then you're, he's not going to approve you. So, uh, and then there's a $10 fee for the application. So uh, just be praying about that. And if you feel like you're being called in the ministry, if you want to just see what the ministry is supposed to look like, it would be a good thing. So, all right. So obviously... The thing where I got this message, we went to a Wedstrong. Uh, that was about three weeks ago now, I guess. And so there was one one of the sermons or one of the passages that Mark Trotter, you know, kept brought out was Proverbs twenty four three and four. And so this is where this came from today. Uh, it's where the message came from. And so I, it's something I haven't been able to get on off of my heart. And when Jay told me he was going to be gone, and I, this is what I was going to be preaching. So uh, it's about building a house and who builds the house. Uh, I'm going to go to the, to the, to the uh, passage, and then we'll, we'll show the pictures there. So through wisdom is a house built in Proverbs 20, 24, 3 and 4. Uh, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Uh, and so, you know, obviously with a new year, you're thinking, you've probably already thought, what's the first thing you do new year? You're going to assess your, what you're going to take your, uh, your new year's resolution. Everybody, every, everybody got it yet? Yeah. I know Colin, I know you're a thinker. I know you got yours. Uh, and it's usually, it's, I'm going to lose weight or I'm going to, you know, declutter the house or, you know, I'm going to make a move, you know, that kind of thing and finish up on some of that kind of stuff, take up a new hobby, read more. Um, well, a lot of those things that we kind of assess as New Year's resolutions are always external. It's always about, you know, how can I improve the external things in my life or the circumstances? Uh, well, today is going to be kind of an internal review. Uh, it's going to be an internal review of yourself, your spiritual house. It's going to be an internal review of maybe your home, your physical home. And then it's going to be an internal review of this church house. So that's kind of what, kind of the mindset that we're going to be in. Obviously, when you're building a house, uh, Josh is renovating a house right now, and he's kind of going through and knocking down walls and tearing things down. Uh, if you've had the joy of home ownership, as I have, some some of those things went better than others, depending on who built the house. Uh, you can go to those slides now, Derek. You can see uh, some of these houses. Uh, you know, if you're if you're going to be on the beach or going to be close to water, some of these things can happen. I can go to the next one. Uh, you can see on this one, which is all the houses are down except for that one on the, on the end there on the left. Uh, so that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is why is this house standing and they, all the other ones have fallen down. So let's pray and then we will get started. Dear God, we love you. Uh, I'm so thankful that you've allowed us to be here today. Uh, it is a new year. It's a new start. Uh, and I pray that we really take advantage of that. I pray that as we have a chance to maybe assess some things in our lives and look at uh, the circumstances of 2020 uh, and some of the things that maybe we got sidetracked thinking about or worrying about uh, that maybe got us off the path that we started with when we started on January 1st of 2020. I pray today as we have a chance to really uh, think about that and assess that. Uh, where did we go wrong and where can we... Uh, as a believer, as a Christian, uh, if we can use that term, as, as, as a follower of you, where can we improve? Where can we really stay focused on what you would have us to do? Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I pray that you would uh, just help us as we talk and study for that for just a little bit. I pray that your Holy Spirit would be the teacher, uh, that you would get me out of the way, uh, that you would just 
have your way uh, in this service today. We love you. I uh, just pray you to just bless the time. And all those things we ask in Christ's name. Amen. So, all your points today will be brought by the letter F. Uh, for So we'll start with a flawless br- blueprint. I never realized I, I'm never standing there. I'm usually up here. So if you don't have the mic and you're singing, no wonder you guys get tired. My voice is already like gone. So... Uh, you know, so this, we'll see how this goes today. So first we're going to look at a flawless blueprint. Anytime you're building a house, uh, obviously a blueprint is drawn up. Hopefully it, uh, it is a correct blueprint. I know as sometimes as you go, things get changed. Uh, but luckily we have a divine architect, uh, that has built a house and he can build the house the way that he sees fit and is a flawless blueprint. And so if you go back to the verse, it says through wisdom is a house builded. Uh, and so you might ask yourself, uh, you can put that big question mark up there, what is, where does wisdom come from? Who, where does, you know, in the world where we have never-ending information, you can type in Google, Wikipedia, whatever, and you can, endless things will pop up about whatever topic you're trying to, where does wisdom come from? Where does true wisdom come from? So obviously, we as believers, hopefully, we take the this is where wisdom comes from. It comes from the Lord. It comes from the book. Uh, so what does the Bible have to say about wisdom? That's what, I, that's what I want to get to today. Proverbs 2, 6 says, For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. So you can take your phone with your Google, delete it. You can take your computer, throw it away. There's, that's not wisdom. This is wisdom. And it's the only wisdom that you need. Uh, James 1.5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. You know, one of the things that I discovered as I, as I got on this path of truly following Christ a few years back uh, when I, is how many of the decisions that I made in my life were all based on my circumstances. They were all based on the, the external things and none of them were actually truly based on biblical principles. I never asked God, you know, what do I need to do in this situation? I never asked for the true wisdom. And I think a lot of times we get so preoccupied, even as believers sometimes, we don't ask for wisdom. You know, we have all the wisdom in the world that's available from the creator, maker, sustainer of this universe. He's just sitting there, he's got his phone. You know, if you can think, you know, he's just sitting there waiting for, for the call. And who do we call? We call our friends. We call our parents. We Google. You know, we watch a YouTube video. Uh, you know, and we never access the information that we have, the biblical wisdom that we actually really have. Uh, and he's, it says that he will give it to us, to all men liberally. You just have to ask for it. Uh, and so when you think about that and you start to define what wisdom really is, obviously, I, and I looked this up in the, in the dictionary with my Google, and it said, the, the worldly definition is uh, the ability to discern inner qualities and relationships. I thought that was a very, you know, uh, sophisticated way of answering that question or that, defining that term. The biblical definition is Job twenty-eight twenty-eight, and it says, and unto man he said, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And depart from evil is understanding. And Psalm 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise 
endureth forever. Proverbs 9, 10, A says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I'm seeing a pattern, right? So true wisdom is fearing the creator, maker, and sustainer of this universe. Uh, and so the next thing in that is by understanding. Proverbs 9, 10, B of that same passage says, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And right now, all across America, you have pastors and teachers standing in pulpits, telling stories, you know, uh, from their philosophy degrees and everything else, never cracking a Bible, telling you what the wisdom is without ever actually getting into what the true wisdom of the Word of God is. Uh, and so, you know, I'm thankful that I'm in a church that this is the authority, this is the wisdom, and this is what we acknowledge. Isaiah 11 and 2 says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And by that understanding, it says, the next part of that, it says, It is established. Uh, has to, that is what establishes things, the true power in this world. Jeremiah 51, 15 says, He hath made the earth by his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom and hath stretched out the heaven by his understanding. You know, I'm fascinated. You know, I love to watch the nature things that come on TV, you know, the blue planet and all those things that come on Saturday morning. And I try to get my kids involved and, they'll, and I try to get them. I'll point out and show them the animals as they're coming across have you ever just looked at those things and see, and they start talking about all the characteristics and how everything fits perfectly together for every animal, for every human, for everything that God designed, it all fits in a perfect pattern. Uh, and it's just amazing. Only God could do that. Uh, you know, it did, we didn't come out of the sludge and there wasn't, you know, a big bang that created those things. God spoke them to, into existence. Uh, and every, there's a pattern, and it's designed perfectly. Uh, and he established those things. Second Corinthians 13, 1 says, This is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. And those three witnesses are wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. And so your first key, you know, without a true fear of the Lord, there will be no true wisdom, understanding, or knowledge in our life. Think about that for a minute. We just spent... I don't know, when did, when did the first COVID case start? Jan February, May, March, something like that. So we just spent nine months in fear of an organism, something that we can't see, we can't touch. It's probably in this room right now, you know, probably on the surfaces, maybe, you know, it's probably on, you know, and yet we have lived in constant, total fear. We have. Uh, you know, and unfortunately, and myself included, you know, we as believers should have been an example to the lost world that we don't have to fear those things. We don't have to live in fear that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. And we, we should have acted that way. Guilty. I should have done it too. Uh, we wasted so much time in fear of all the wrong things and not fearing the most important thing, a holy and righteous God. And so for 2021, 
for myself and for anybody in this room, I suggest we start fearing the creator and maker sustainer of this universe. Uh, that We have to. And you may, you may ask yourself, you know, that's fine if you just stand up here and say that. And maybe you don't believe me and maybe you'll believe the Bible. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Luke 6, 46 says, and why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. Uh, you know, James talks about in chapter 1 of James, it talks about being uh, doers of the word instead of just hearers only. And I worry that, we, you know, particularly in this church, there's, there's never going to be a time where somebody stands in this pulpit and doesn't open the word of God. There's never going to be a time that, you know, it's not taught. Uh, but we can't just be about accumulating knowledge. We can't just be about, we have to apply those things in, the, in a personal setting on a day-to-day basis, on our jobs, uh, wherever, you know, God has given us, you know, our, our field to work in. Uh, and, you know, we talk about the things that we fear. In Matthew, Jesus himself said this. He said, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And, you know, if you, you know, there's people that have had COVID, they've had loved ones die of COVID, and, I, and I'm sorry. My heart breaks. Um, but if they weren't a believer, it didn't matter, you know. Uh, it didn't matter. Uh, we need to be able, we need to fear the one that can cast not only the soul, but the body in hell. Uh, and we have to be fearful of him. Next, number two, uh, a furnished space. Um, you know, obviously, if, you, if you've lived and over time and you've built houses and anytime you can get extra things thrown in, that's always a good thing. Uh, you know, if they'll leave the washer, if they'll leave the dryer, you know, hopefully, you know, they'll leave the ones that are working. And, you know, um, I have made that mistake before, too, as well. So, um, but it's always important to have a furnished space. And the, the furnishment of it is what we're going to talk about next. And how it is furnished is, is, is very important. If you go back to the passage, it says, And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. So knowledge is what allows you to furnish, uh, put the furniture in. Uh, Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And I'm amazed by people um, that have the talent of interior decoration, uh, that they know what goes together and what doesn't go together, what colors go together, what schemes go together. Uh, I just look at something, well, it's just a piece of furniture. I don't just put it, you know, just put it here and, you know, put, let me put something on it. Uh, you know, but there's a way, if you have the knowledge of what colors, pa- the palettes and all those things and what goes here and what doesn't go here, then you, once it's done, then you have a really nice house and all those things kind of play in together. Um, there was a guy in, in scripture that I want to talk about. Uh, it's no coincidence that one of the greatest examples of scripture of the qualities, uh, and they didn't call a woman in to do it, no offense. Uh, they called a man in to do this to furnish God's dwelling place, the tabernacle. Uh, and his name was Bezalel. Uh, let's read Exodus 31, 1 through 3. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by, my, by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Here's those three things again, in wisdom, and in understanding, and in knowledge, and in all manner 
of workmanship. So when they laid, you know, Moses gave the pattern. He, Moses was given the pattern by the, on the mount by God. And so he takes that pattern and he gives it to Bezalel. And Bezalel doesn't question the measurements. He, he knows exactly what he's supposed to do. God has given him everything that he needs. And he starts furnishing the tabernacle. Uh, he starts building all the different instruments and everything that they needed. Uh, and it's just a, an amazing thing when you start studying him out, the things that he was able to do. And it was just one dude. Uh, you know, he was, he was the one doing all that. He was responsible for all that. Uh, and it says the next part of this, if you go back, it says, Chambers filled with ple- all precious and pleasant riches. Um, and so, obviously, everybody just got their Christmas presents. Uh, sorry, Tony, we talked about that. You know, we didn't get everything that we wanted and, uh, you know, still waiting. But uh, so we just spent all our money. Now we've got to clear our credit cards out and try to pay off all the debt that we spent for all the Christmas, everything that we bought for our kids. And uh, nobody bought anything for themselves, I'm sure, of course. But um, but riches, what are riches in this life? What are, what are the riches that matter? Uh, is it your car? Is it your boat? Is it your... Uh, you know, 401k, it's everything that you kind of, you know, we pursue after working our nine to five jobs. Um, or is it the riches that only God can provide? Uh, Luke 16, 11 says, if therefore you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you, uh, to your trust, the true riches? And unrighteous man, mammon is just another word for money. Uh, you know, that's why it's important that we're able to manage, you know, the, the stewards, be a steward of what God has given us so he can entrust for us the true riches. And the true riches, you know, what Colossians talks about is, is to set your affection on the things that are above. That's where all the riches in this life are. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the throne and room of God. It's the souls of men. Uh, it's the word of God. Those are the things that we need to be talking about when we talk about riches. Uh, Ephesians 3.8 says, Unto me... Who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Philippians 4.19 My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You know, and when the word of God says that these riches are unsearchable, they really are. You can't, you can't exhaust them. Uh, you can't exhaust them. Uh, and you know, when I was going through this, just some of the things that when I typed in the word riches in my, in my app, um, and really when it brought up all the different verses that it talks about in Scripture, and I just wanted to kind of cover some of them. Um, you know, there's riches, first of all, the goodness of God. Romans 2, 4 says, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth to repentance. Uh, and then there's riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Romans 11:33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Um, there's riches of the grace of God. Ephesians 3, or Ephesians 1, 7 says, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, and according to the riches of his grace. And all the people would say amen there. Praise the Lord. 2-7, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Uh, the riches of his glory, Romans 9-23, uh, and that we might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. 
Uh, Ephesians 1.18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Ephesians 3.16, that he would grant you according to the rich of his, riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in, in the inner man. And that would be an awesome study uh, for the next time somebody stands up here. Maybe if you could just preach on the riches of Christ. Uh, I think that would be an awesome thing. Uh, Colossians, there's, a, there's more. Colossians 1.27, to whom God would make known what is the riches, the glory of the mystery of the, among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 2.2, 2, that we, their hearts might be com- comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to acknowledge unto the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ. So, you know, those mysteries that they're referring to, uh, those are riches, and 1 Corinthians 4 talks about that we are to be stewards of those mysteries. Uh, and so, you know, we should know what those mysteries are and be, be accountable uh, to, when somebody asks about them or be able to teach on them. Um, so, you know, those are the true riches. Those are the things that should be furnished in our house, uh, whichever house, you know, that we're, we're, we're talking about, and we'll get to that in just a minute. But obviously... You know, if your house isn't built wisely, the results can be much different. Uh, we saw those pictures earlier of houses that weren't, weren't built wisely. Uh, I've been, seems like every house I've been in wasn't built very wise. Uh, you know, and so when the title of the message was obviously, obviously Fixer Upper, and you could, anybody watch the HGTV? Yeah, just, yeah, I think that's all I've watched for the past three days. My wife is, you know, wanting us to move. And so, you know, she's just, it's kind of been just reinforced every day. Uh, and, you know, you got your fixer-upper, you got your extreme makeover, you got your good bones, uh, you know, you can just run down the list, you know, flip this house. Um, you know, and all these things are houses that were built wrong, in, a, in a bad way. And then, you know, when you go in there and, uh, you know, everything's in disarray, there's garbage everywhere, and then those guys come in and like, we're going to fix this up, you know. And I'm like, you need to bulldoze it, you know. Um, that's what I would do. Uh, but they see the potential in those houses. Uh, thankfully, God is the same way. He sees the potential in each one of us. Uh, and so, you know, he's able to take the things uh, that aren't so good and, and improve on them and, and really make them his. Um, but, you know, Scripture talks about if you don't build a house wisely, what the things that can happen to it. Uh, and just like the pictures that we saw, you know, those houses can be completely destroyed. Uh, Matthew 7, 24 and 27, a familiar passage of Scripture talks about, it says, uh, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came. The winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. So when you read that scripture, what's the, most, what's the, the consistent thing in each one of that circumstance? The rain, the flood, and the wind, right? And, and, and the beating on the house. So regardless of how your house is built, all that stuff's coming. It rains on the just and the unjust, right? That's what scripture says. So, you know, if it's going to rain on us regardless, 
If it's going to beat on us regardless, you know, then we should build our house wisely. Otherwise, we're going to be doing, you know, damage control every time it comes. And I, I, I worry, you know, that that's what we do when the floods come and the rains come and the, and the, and the, the, the things of this life start beating on us. That we're, It's always a reactionary thing. We're always trying to shore up all the, the water damage. We're always trying to, you know, after the fact, trying to get prepared for the next one. Where the Lord says that we can prepare beforehand. Uh, we can be ready for those things. And what's interesting, and another thing that I got out of, the, out of Wedstrong, you know, Mark Trotter, the guy that preached it, he's going through all this stuff, and then he gets to the end, he uses, he uses this verse. He says, Psalm 127.1, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. So the takeaway from that is stop building. Stop building. Key, if we don't allow the Lord to build our house, we are wasting our time and God's time. You know, if we don't submit our lives as a reasonable service that it talks about in Romans 12, you know, if we're not crucified with Christ that it talks about in Galatians, you know, if we're not dead and he's living through us, and we're, you know, building the walls and we're, you know, we're putting up everything on, doing all the stuff in our flesh, then guess what? That house is coming down. It's coming down. Romans 8, 8 says, so then that they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You can't. Uh, if, we, if, if we're walking in the flesh and we're not walking in the, in the spirit, then guess what? You're going to fulfill the lust of the flesh every time. Every time. And the rains are coming, the flood's coming, the water's coming. And, you know, we're calling the insurance company. You know, somebody help us. Uh, so the next thing, the last thing, you have a, you have a flawless blueprint. Uh, you have a furnished space. And lastly, you need some faithful occupants. Faithful goes in your blank. We're going way too fast here. I'm going to get y'all done very, very quickly here. So we'll see how this goes. So. Uh, so you have three applications for believers that I believe, you know, from this. Uh, when you think about a house and you think about uh, regardless of the application, whether it's the, you know, your internal house, your external house, or your house of God that we'll see, uh, you want all the, each one of those things to be a settled place. First Kings 8, 13 says, I have surely built thee in house to dwell in, a settled place for thee to abide in forever. Um, and so, you know, you're going to see these applications as we go through them, and they're progressive. And what I mean by that is if our focus, and if, if our focus is only on this house, and I'm talking about the house that we're in right now, if our focus is only on the local assembly, the, the, you know, the, the local assembly, the called-out believers here, and your house is a mess at home, or your house, you know, your spiritual house is a mess, then you've got things out of whack. Uh, you know, these things are progressive. So, in other words, get your house at home in order first. That's your first ministry. Then you can come and start working in the church. Um, you know, I, I really, what, what, when you do that, when we're at home and it's a mess and, we're, you know, it's just constant, 
friction and it's constant chaos. Uh, you know, when our lives personally are a mess and total chaos, and then we come in here and want to play church, what we're talking about is religion. We're not talking about sanctification. Uh, and so, you know, we have to be separated unto God here internally first. Then our homes have to be separated and, and sanctified unto God. Then we can come in here and we're not playing church. You know, it's, it's a true sanctification process. And we all need to apply that in, in, to our own lives. So, um, so the first thing we want to talk about, these three ap- applications. First one is a spiritual house. And you'll see this in Scripture through, you know, different ways. Or in temple, vessel, or tabernacle. And they're all used in different, uh, you know, in the same way, but just different words. So uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. And I love the, you know, anytime, Paul was always the best at this. He would always start these things with a question. You know, what? Why don't you know this, you know? Uh, For you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. So your life's not your own. You know, it's not. Second Corinthians 5.1, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Um, you know, Peter used that term tabernacle when he was talking about his earthly tabernacle, uh, moving from one area of life to the next. Um, so, you know, that's another place you could go look for that. Second Corinthians 7.1, it says, having therefore these promises, uh, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And so, you know, Jesus has already died for your sin. Frankly, he doesn't want it anymore. Uh, so start cleansing ourselves up. And what I mean by that is, you know, obviously my wife hates the way I clean. You know, so I'm, I'm one of these people, I will just like kind of push it over. Or I'll just kind of barely hit it, you know. And she watches. And she doesn't have to watch. She knows what I'm going to do. So, And she'll go back and she'll start sweeping it and cleaning it correctly. Uh, you know, that's not what we're talking about. Uh, you know, we need to take that serious. Uh, we don't need to be hiding things in the closet for when people come over. Uh, you know, and playing, putting on our, putting on our masks for people. Uh, you know, cleanse ourselves from the inside out. With the word of God. And we'll get to that in just a second. And you know not only that. It says cleanse ourselves. So in other words you're not calling in the, the maid service either. You're not calling in the cleaning service. You know so it's not Pastor Jay's job. To, to fix your mess. It's not. It's not your discipler. It's not you know your best friend. Whoever it is. It's your job. You made the mess. All the, pa- all the parents said cleaned it up right. You know, so clean it up. First uh, Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4 says, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. So my job is not to possess Chris's vessel. It's not his job to possess mine. It's not Colin's job to possess my vessel. It's not Josh's job to possess Colin's vessel. Possess your own vessel. You know, clean yourself up. 
Uh, and how do you do that? Psalm 119.9, it says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. The word is the only thing that's going to clean you up. And it, ha- it has to clean you up from the inside out. To quote Mark Trotter, it's not enough to get into the word of God. We have to let the word of God get into us. And, you know, I, I like to give Mark credit where credit's due. You know, he's, he's, my bo- he's my boy, you know. Uh, I love him and I appreciate him. But, but it's true. It, he will not, this word of God is not one of those things that you can just come to haphazardly. It's not one of those things that you can just read and read a daily Bible verse and put it down, uh, you know, and, and say, and mark your check mark. Oh, I read my Bible. No, you didn't. You read a verse, you know. Um, you think about, and I, uh, and I use the, the kind of the illustration of Jesus sitting, you know, or God waiting for somebody to call him, you know. Well, that's the equivalent of calling and hanging up as soon as he answers, you know. Oh, I talked to I talked to God today. No, you didn't. You know, uh, and so that's that's what I'm talking about. We have to let the Word of God get into us. We have to let it be the one that does the cleansing, um, because it's the only you know it's the only kind of cleansing agent that's going to where the stains don't you know aren't going to resurface. Uh, physical house is your next thing, uh, and so when you think about that, obviously this is where I'm, I'm going to get meddling. So if you want to leave now, you can. So. Uh, and so, but what I want you to understand when I'm saying these things, you know, I have a wife, I have three kids. Y'all see my two, you know, one of my kids is pretty well behaved. One of two of them are crazy. So, you know, and they're, you know, it's a work in progress. So, uh, this, but, so I'm preaching to myself here. So, you know, when we talk about, when it talks about in scripture about a house, as far as a physical house, it always talks about a home or dwelling place, but it also talks about families or bloodlines uh, and it uses the same term uh, proverbs fifteen six says in the house of the righteous is much treasure but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble uh, proverbs twenty one twenty says there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise but a foolish man spendeth it up uh, it's you know it's just i'm seeing a pattern here and so you know obviously when you think about First Timothy talks about, and I'll, I'll get, I'll come back to. I'm going to come back to the two, Derek. First uh, Timothy three and four says, "One that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man not know how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God?" And so, you know, that's one of the kind of the prerequisites that you have for anybody that wants to be a pastor or anybody that wants to be a deacon. Uh, you know, again, it's that application starts at home before it starts here at church. Uh, you know, I always worried about that when, especially it seemed like when I was growing up, you always had the pastor and you, you, you know, the term it's the pastor's kids, right? And they're, I mean, they are the, just like the worst kids in the community, the worst, sorry, Brittany, <laughs> I see you guys over there, but they were, maybe it was just where I, I grew up, but man, they were just like, you know, this crazy. And so I was, I kept wondering like, Hey, will you do something with your kids, man? Stop preaching to me, you know. Um, and it just seemed like it worked out that way. But, um, you know, we have to be able to rule our own house and have our children in the subjection. Uh, and so that's, it's, a, it's very important if you're wanting to try, to try to do any kind of work here at the church or in, in the church of God. But there's two guys I want to look at here. 
uh, quickly. Uh, well, we're doing okay. So, uh, Joshua 24, 15. And it says, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods with your, which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, and so obviously, you know, Joshua is giving this dissertation to the Israelites that are still there. And he's kind of going through everything, and he says, you guys can do what you want to. My, me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Uh, and so notice that his, the people, that in his, they didn't, there wasn't any question what they were going to do. You know, he already has his house taken care of, and he didn't mind saying so. Uh, and so, you know, we need to have that testimony. We need to be able to speak for our house, uh, you know, that we've preached and, and ruled our house uh, at home before we ever start trying to do it to somebody else. Another guy, that, and this is a really cool story, uh, Jeremiah 35, it talks about this house of the Rechabites, and I may be saying that wrong, but uh, this guy named Jonadab, he, these, these weren't Israelites. They were from a, the Rechabites were uh, from, kind of descended down from the Kenites and the Midianites. If you remember Jethro, uh, you know, Moses' father-in-law, these guys were tw- tent dwellers. And they had taken a vow that Jonadab had told them uh, that they were not going to drink wine, no matter what. It didn't matter what was going on. And so Jeremiah, the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah. If you read this passage, and he says, Jeremiah, I want you to call them into the house, and I want you to serve them wine. Uh, And so they bring them in. And keep in mind, these are not God's people. Brings them in. Jeremiah, you know, they put the wine out before them, and uh, they won't drink it. They said, you know, our father told us not to, and we're not going to do it. It doesn't matter what happens. Uh, And so God uses them, these Rechabites, as an example to his people saying, why will you not listen to me the way these people have listened to their father? Um, and so, and then he goes on to say that they will never, they will always have a man that will stand before him because of their obedience to their father. And, you know, I wonder for us as parents, you know, if we could have that testimony uh, that after we're gone that, you know, we don't have to worry about whether our children are going to serve the Lord or not. You know, we're going to do what God says. Because that's what our father told us to do. Uh, we could have that testimony. You know, and I'm going to speak directly to the men here. And so women, you can kind of, you know, tune out for just one second. You know, if you're a man and you have a family, then you are responsible for the spiritual direction of that house. Not your wife. Not your children. And not your pastor. When you stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, when your stewardship or your accountability of your house is brought up, they're not going to bring me up there. They're not going to bring any of your friends up there. They're not going to bring your family up there. They're not going to bring your wife up there. You are going to be responsible for that. And so, you know, we are going to be held accountable to that. Joshua and Jonadab didn't, had taken care of their household. And they left that legacy for generations to come. And so we need to, as men, be able to take our house and not worry about whether, you know, whether we're there or whether we're gone, they're going to serve God. And that's the testimony that we need to have. 
uh, as men. So last thing we we're going to talk about, the, you knew I'd get to the church, so you can tune back in now, everybody. So uh, the last thing is the local assembly. And, you know, in, the, in, the, in Scripture, it's, all, it's called the church. Uh, so 1 Timothy 3.15, if you remember when we kind of studied through Timothy, uh, we use this passage. It says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Uh, and so when you're reading through those, those Pauline Scriptures, um, or epistles to the different churches, those are all just the blueprint of how we should do church. They're also the blueprint of how we should not do church. Um, and so, you know, God has not left us empty-handed. You know, we should, because of what he's given us, we should be able to behave ourselves rightly in the house of God. Um, but, you know, again, it, it starts at home. Uh, Ephesians 2, 21 and 22, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, and in whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Um, you know, when it goes through in Corinthians and it talks about the different body parts and the different, you know, uh, you know, if everybody you know, knows who can be the hand and so on and so on. I love, I love that. I love reading it. Uh, it's, just, it's just great the way that God inspired Paul to write that. Uh, but, you know, we have all been in this local assembly, you know, for whatever reason, God has seen fit to bring us all together, together, uh, and together, together. Did I say that? Yeah, right. So uh, he has brought us together, together, to, you know, fitly framed, and we have all the pieces that we need to do what God has called us to do. Amen. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not more pieces that we need to get. That doesn't mean that there's not more people that we need to go out and, you know, to bring in to do ministry with. But we have everything we need right here. You know, we don't have to sublet it out. We don't have to subcontract it out to other people. Uh, there's people here that have been trained to do ministry. Uh, and they want to do ministry with you. Uh, you know, and we have everything. It's fitly framed. We just have to embrace that. Uh, and, you know, I know we're not the biggest church, but we don't have to be a big church to reach the lost. You know, we don't have to be. Uh, we can start right outside this door. And we can do that. Now, we can start as soon as we get done uh, today. Galatians 6.10 says this, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are the household of faith. I can remember when I was a, when I was a kid, there was a song I'm sure if it, you know, it was a Bill Gaither song because he wrote all the songs back in, you know, it was, I'm, I'm glad that I'm a part of the family of God. Uh, and, you know, it was really cool to think about that, you know, that even that your family could extend to people that weren't your blood, in other words. Uh, and so, you know, today, you know, this can be your family. You know, this can be, you know, you don't have, even, there's things that I, you know, that I depend on, people I depend on here, uh, and they're not my blood, but they're my family. Uh, and, and God has brought us together, you know, to lean on each other and to love each other uh, as a family here. Uh, and lastly, you know, as we close, as you think about this, is this local assembly. And I talked about kind of accessing Jesus, you know, when it was convenient for us. Um, you know, obviously we live in the, you would say the Laodicean church age, and it's the, it's the last church age right before the rapture of the church. Uh, and if you read that in Revelation, you have the, this group of this church, 
Uh, and you have them basically doing church, thinking everything's cool, hunky-dory. Uh, and Revelation 3.20 says that God, Jesus is talking to him. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. And what was in, what's interesting about that is when you read that, Jesus has, he's not in the church. He's outside trying to get in. Uh, he's knocking, saying, I'd love to come in. I would love to have fellowship with you. I would love to sup with you. I would love to, you know, have my spirit communing with your spirit. But yet I'm on the outside. Uh, and what's interesting about that, Jesus doesn't even have a guest room. You know, he hasn't, you know, when they were building everything, he doesn't even have a guest room that he stays in. He's just trying to not to get in. Uh, and I understand where we are doctrinally. I understand where we are uh, positionally. I understand where we are, you know, on the precipice of, of the rapture of the church. Uh, and, but, you know, personally, in, at home, and then as a local assembly, you know, we don't have to have that testimony. We don't have to be wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, uh, you know, with the Lord on the outside looking in. We don't have to have that testimony. That doesn't have to be us. Uh, and when you think about those, those characteristics, you know, where, how did they get there? Wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Well, because they built their house unwisely. They built it uh, with no knowledge, with no understanding. Uh, and no wisdom. Uh, so, Leslie, if you'll come and just, you know, I just want to close here. Uh, I do appreciate your attention. You know, obviously, if we're, we're starting a new year, uh, and last year we all had great intentions. Uh, we all had, you know, none of us started last year thinking this year is going to stink. You know, I hope none of us thought, you know, when we started that, Everybody wanted it to be a great year, you know. Uh, and so I would ask you, you know, first of all, are we coming into a new year with no peace? No assurance, no comfort, and no joy. And are we coming in because we don't have those things because we don't have a personal relationship with the God of peace, assurance, comfort, and joy? And, you know, hopefully, you know, we're all saved. And, we'll, you know, if you're not saved, we'll give you an opportunity here in just a minute. Uh, but if we are saved, are, are we still without peace? Assurance, comfort, and joy. You know, because we have built our house. Uh, if we thought that, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll ask for help later. And we built our house on all the wrong things. You know, does our spiritual house need an extreme makeover? Does it need to be a fixer-upper? Uh, you know, second, are our homes a place of peace, assurance, comfort, and joy? And are they filled with the true riches that only God can provide? Uh, and lastly, you know, is this church, is it a place where Jesus is the focus and not an outsider trying to get in? Let's pray.